as we continue our study through God's Word, we come to Genesis chapter 20. And as we do, we find that Abraham journeyed from thence towards the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. <coughs> For those of you that's been following the, the study thus far, this might sound like a little bit of deja vu. You remember that a few chapters back, <coughs> the famine came into the land, and Abraham and Sarah, they went down into Egypt land. When they got there, they lied. Abraham said, she's my sister. Sarah said, he's my brother. They did this so that um, the Egyptians wouldn't kill Abraham and take Sarah as their own. And you remember that they got themselves in quite a mess. That God had to send a plague and open Pharaoh's eyes and bring them out of Egypt land. Now why Abraham left this time to go somewhere else, I don't know. We don't see any indication of a famine, any indication of trouble or problems. We don't see any indication that God told him to go anywhere. Because if you remember right back in the 18th chapter, God came to Abraham and told him that I will return to you in a year. And that I will give you your promised son. I will give you Isaac. So I don't know why Abraham would have packed up and left, first of all. Because he was right in the center of God's will. And I want to tell you something. That if you're in the center of God's will. And you know that you're in the center of God's will. Don't leave. Don't go nowhere. Don't do anything other than continue to stay in the center of God's will. But we find that for whatever reason Abraham and Sarah left. They, they went down into the land of Gerar. And they told that same lie. Committed that same sin. Got themselves in that same mess. And in fact, we find later on in the chapter when King Abimelech <coughs> finds out what had happened, that, that Sarah was really Abraham's wife. He comes to Abraham, he confronts him, and Abraham says, Well, we agreed back when we started wandering towards the promised land, back when we started going in, in search of this land that God was going to show us, we agreed that every time we came into a foreign land, that this is what we would say. So that I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be put to death and she wouldn't be taken as her own. But we find that King Abimelech, he did send for her. He had her there in the house. This was a real dangerous and compromising position for Sarah. You know, the main thing that I see here in this chapter is stay away from the things that you know are likely to cause you to sin. We know. Every one of us. At least I hope that, that, that you understand. That you are subject to fall. That you are subject to mistake. That we have all sinned in the past. And, and, and that the devil like a, like a roaring lion. He's roaming to and fro. Seeking whom he may devour. He wants to tempt us. He wants to cause us to, to fall back into sin. So my best advice. Stay away from whoever or whatever it is that might tempt you, that might cause you to sin. Abraham knew that every time he came into a foreign land, not only was he subject to sin, but that he would because him and Sarah had already agreed upon it. So, so he was going to sin every time he came into a foreign land. So my advice to Abraham would have been stay out. Of foreign lands. Stay in the center of God's will. If there's certain people that would cause you to do things, don't go around them. If there's certain places that would cause you to do things, don't go into those kind of places. If there's certain circumstances and situations of life that might cause you to fall back into your old habit, into your old addiction, into your old routine, into whatever it might be, stay away from those situations and those circumstances. And stay right where God has brought you to. If you're a Christian today, I'm speaking to you that if you have been saved, if you have been delivered, don't go around those things that would cause you to go right back in to the same things that God has brought you out of. But we find that Sarah gets herself in a mess. 
King Abimelech takes her unto his house. We know what his plans is. But here's what we find. We find God's grace again. God would have had every right in the world to have said, Hey, no, I got you guys out of this mess in Egypt land. You're on your own here in Gerar. But, but that's not what God did. It says that God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she, even she herself, said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. You see that Abimelech thus far had not done anything wrong. And this just goes to show you, that as the songwriter put it, if I live a holy life, shun the wrong and do the right, that I know the Lord will make a way for me. And it appears here in chapter 20 to me that Abimelech, if we was to just read chapter 20 and not read any of the other chapters about Abraham, it would appear that Abimelech is the better Christian, so to speak, than, than Abraham. That he's the better follower of God than, than Abraham was because he didn't do any wrong. And God tells him that I know you didn't do any wrong. And he, he, he's, not gonna, he's not gonna put him to death. He's gonna make a way for him. He's gonna work it out. God lets him know that I'm the reason that you haven't sinned. That's another point that we can find here from chapter 20. That we can live above sin. I know that many denominations and many Christians that might be watching this video don't believe in, in whole, whole heart sanctification. I want you to know that, that we can live above sin. But that it is the grace of God that allows us to do that. It was the grace of God that kept Abimelech from falling in the, in the sin and into this temptation. And in verse 7 he tells Abimelech what he's got to do. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know, that, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. He tells Abimelech, go and, go and give her back, go and make it right. You know, if we've done something, if anyone of you in this video has, has done something that you know you shouldn't have done, Something has creeped in that, that you know you shouldn't have let creep into your life. Just go and make it right. We serve a God that will forgive us time and time again. His grace is sufficient. His mercy abounds. His love endures. Now I'm not giving you a reason to go out and sin knowing that God will always forgive you. I'm just telling you that if you have, just restore it. Just, just make the restitutions that's needed. Just make it right. Most importantly, just make it right with God. We find that, that God's grace brings Abraham and Sarah out of this mess once again. That it brings them out better than they were before. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. I want you to listen to these next verses. It might be that there's a believer that's watching this video or a Christian that's, that's messed up. And again, I want to tell you that all you got to do is just go make it right. And these next verses is proof of that. Look at who God uses to, to fix this situation. So Abraham prayed unto God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants and they bare children for the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah Abraham's wife so Abraham prayed unto God Abraham was the reason for this mess Abraham was the one that had messed up Abraham was the one that had sinned but God's love and God's grace he still used him 
to fix the problem. He still considered Abraham a friend of God. He still considered Abraham one of his children and he loved him. You know, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. Again, that's not a reason to. That's not an excuse to. I believe be ye holy for the Lord your God is holy. And I believe that we should live a holy, a sanctified, a set apart life from the rest of the world. But if you mess up, God will always take you back in. And that's what we see from chapter 20. Abraham and Sarah making the same old mistakes. And God, grace, mercy, and love still forgiven them. What an awesome God we serve. I'm thankful for him. I tell you, I mess up from time to time. I don't know how many times I've had to go to him and say, Lord, it's me again. Will you forgive me? And every time he does. He is an awesome and a wonderful God. Praise his holy name. I hope that someone watching this video has got something out of it here today. If anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to talk to you. Until next time, God bless. As we continue our study through God's Word, we find ourselves still in Genesis chapter 21. Verse number eight. You might remember in yesterday morning's video, we saw how God came unto Sarah, how he did just as he said he would do. He kept his promise. At the set time, just as he said, he came and he gave Sarah the promised son, the promised heir, gave her Isaac. We saw that Abraham circumcised Isaac on the eighth day, just as God had commanded him that he wasn't taking any chances. He waited way too long for, for this promised son to arrive. He wasn't, wasn't messing around with the instructions that God had given him. He went and he done as God had commanded him right on the same day that God had commanded him to do so. In verse 8 we find that the child grew, was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. I want you to try to put yourself in this party. Try to put yourself in a story here in, in Genesis chapter 21. That's what I often like to do when I'm reading a, a Bible passage. I like to try to put myself there in the scene. Abraham, he's the wealthiest man in all of the land. Anybody that's anybody would have been invited to this party. They've been waiting on this day for 25 plus years. In all reality, they've probably been waiting on this day most of their life. Even before the call to leave the land of Ur, no doubt Sarah and Abraham wanted a son. God kept his promise. This day has arrived. Sarah's excited. Abraham's excited. All the, all the decorations is up. All the, the best food is prepared and, and laid out on the table. This is the party of the century, so to speak. And then in verse 9, we see that something starts to go wrong, that a problem starts to take place, that a family feud, if you will, begins, that is still going on to this very day, all these years later. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. I don't know what Ishmael was doing. Maybe he was pointing and, and laughing, making fun of the way that that Isaac was dressed, making fun of the way that Isaac maybe talked. Maybe he was saying all the gifts that you're getting him, maybe baby gifts. I don't know what he was doing exactly. But whatever he was doing, Sarah didn't like it. And we can see just how mad Sarah gets in these next few verses. She, she calls Abraham over. And she said unto Abraham, notice she don't even use their names. It's not Hagar. And Ishmael, she's mad. She says, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. She's saying, hey, get rid of this servant. Get rid of this slave. Get rid of her son. She's not even taking into consideration that this is a result of her decision that Ishmael's even in the world. Hagar and Ishmael didn't ask to be put in this mess. She's not even taking that into consideration. She's saying, get rid of this slave. Get rid of her son. Throw him out. But we see that, that this, this, this is grievous. 
unto Abraham. And it breaks his heart. Why? Because Ishmael's his son. Got to try to understand. Try to put yourself in the in the shoes of every character here as we go through the, the rest of this story in chapter 21. This is the, the son that for 16, 17 years now, Abraham has taught everything that he knows. He's took him all over the land. He's told him stories about how it was in the land of Ur. He's, he's told him stories of how him and Sarah journeyed and went into Egypt and went into Gerar and the different things that happened. How it came to be that he came into the world as a result of Sarah's decision to, to send his mom into the tent with Abraham. He's been his heart for 16 or 17 years now. And Sarah said, throw him out with the morning trash, so to speak. And that just sounds heartless and that just sounds cruel and that just sounds mean. But I'll tell you what seems to be shocking here in chapter 21. And that is that God agrees with Sarah. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. God's telling him, listen to Sarah, get rid of it. Send them on their way. Send them out of camp. Now, I want to say that I understand that Ishmael and Hagar were real people. And as we finish up the rest of this chapter, probably be tomorrow morning's video, as we, as we take a look at Hagar and Ishmael and their situation here in chapter 21, I want to say that I feel sorry for them. And as we look at that story, we will talk more about that, about how they didn't ask to be put into this situation. But I want you to also, knowing that they are real people, and God knew that. And God said, I will take care of Ishmael too. I know he's your son. I know he's your seed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him into a nation. So God understood that they were real people. But I want you to see the symbolism here as to what God is saying to Abraham. Ishmael was a product of Abraham and Sarah's plan. Ishmael was a product of, of Abraham and Sarah's ideal of how to do it. Wasn't God's will, wasn't God's plan. It was, he was their way of doing things. Scripture tells us that there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but that the end thereof leadeth unto death. Ishmael was that way. He was the old way of life. Isaac, he was the one that from the beginning, God said, I will establish my covenant through him. I will keep my promise through him. I will build up a mighty nation through him. All the nations of the earth, Abraham, they're going to be blessed through him. It's him that I'm going to carry it on with. But you've got to get ready of the old way. I've got a plan for you. I've got things planned that you that you could never acquire in your life. I'm going to do for you what you could never do for yourself. But you've got to get rid of the old way. You've got to get rid of you and Sarah's dreams, you and Sarah's hopes, you and Sarah's promises. You've got to get rid of all of this. And you've got to take hold of this. This is my way of doing things. Isaac is my way. And if you keep Ishmael in the camp and Isaac in the camp, your way and my way, they will just keep butting heads. They will just be in constant war, constant battle, constant conflict with each other. And we find that that's exactly what's happened throughout the ages, that they have been and their descendants have been in constant war with each other. But God was telling Abraham, if you want my promise, you've got to get rid of your, of your desires, of your way of doing things. And you've got to do it my way. Listen, I don't know who's watching this video here this morning. I don't know what maybe the Lord has been dealing with you on for maybe some time. Maybe just this morning. Maybe right as I've been, been going through this video. Maybe the Holy Spirit start to, started to speak to you and, and dealing with you on a certain thing. A habit, an addiction, a temptation, a weakness. Whatever it is. Maybe God's saying, hey, you've got to get rid of this 
I want you to know, everybody watching this video, I want you to know, God loves you. God cares for you. God has a plan for your life so much better than anything you can ever get for yourself. But you've got to let go of your way and take hold of God's way. You've got to surrender everything to God. Anything that stands in between you and God's promise, anything that stands in between you and God's plan, you've got to get rid of that. And know that God will give you something so much better than anything you could have ever planned for yourself. I hope that this video this morning has helped somebody in some small way. Tomorrow morning's video will be picking up the story as we begin to look at, at Hagar and Ishmael and their situation and how God's grace is seen in their situation. I hope you got something out of this video. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Love to talk to you. Until next time, God bless. As we continue our study through God's Word, we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 21, verse number 14. Before we get into that verse, you'll remember that in the previous two videos, also in chapter 21 of Genesis, we saw how God came unto Sarah. He did as he, as he had said. He, he did as he had promised. At the set time, he gave her the son that he said all along that he would give her. God kept his promise to Sarah, even though she wasn't deserving, even though she wasn't worthy. We saw how Abraham circumcised Isaac on the eighth day, just as God had commanded him, that he wasn't taking any chances now. God had kept up his end of the deal, and Abraham was going to keep up his part of the bargain. We saw that the child grew, was weaned, and that Abraham made a great feast. And can you imagine the party? No doubt it was all the best decorations, the, the best of, of, of everything, the best of animals was laid out, the banquet table was prepared, anybody that was anybody was, was invited to this celebration. Sarah and Abraham had waited over 25 years for this day. All, all everything, price was no limit. But we saw how in the middle of that, out of the corner of her eye, Sarah saw Ishmael as he was mocking Isaac. She pulled Abraham over to the side, mad. She said, get rid of that servant girl. Wasn't even using their name. Get rid of that servant girl. Get rid of that servant girl's son. They will not be part of this inheritance. They will not be part of the promise. Get them out of my camp. Get them out of my tent. Get them out of here. Abraham was heartbroken. He was devastated. Ishmael was his son. He loved him. For 16, 17 years, he had, he had raised him, taught him everything he knew. And now she's saying, throw him out with the morning trash, so to speak. But we find that God agrees. Abraham, you got to get rid of Ishmael. Listen to Sarah. My promise is with Isaac. My covenant is with Isaac. I'm going to build a great nation through him. I'm going to make your name great through him. I'm going to keep every promise that I've ever given to you through him. But you've got to get rid of your way. Take hold of my way. And that's where we pick up the story here today. In verse 14, we find that Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Early in the morning, Abraham rose up and he done exactly what God told him to do. Listen, I don't know who's watching this video. I don't know what maybe the Lord's been dealing with you on in weeks past, in, in days past, what he might just now be dealing with you on. But I want you to know if God's saying get rid of something, get rid of it. A habit, an addiction, a temptation, a weakness, anything that stands between you and the perfect will of God. Get rid of it. Throw it away. 
Take hold of God's promise. Take hold of God's plan because he has made plans for you. He knows his plans for you. He knows what he wants to give you and he's able to do so. But you've got to get rid of the old way and take hold of the new, new way. What we find here is as we continue the story that the water ran out. Ishmael is wandering through the desert about to die. Hagar not far behind him. She sets the boy down and heartbroken. At the end of the line she turns around and she walks away about a bow shot. Maybe 70, 80, 100 yards. Her back towards Ishmael. She can't bear the sight. He's about to die. She's about to die. She's helpless. She's hopeless. There's nothing she can do. She's all alone with nobody. And that is when God comes on the scene. That's when God comes to the rescue. That's when we see God's amazing grace in chapter 21 here. And God comes to her and he asks a question. Hagar, what aileth thee? And you know, at first, that sounds like a crazy question. Please understand that I'm not calling God crazy. I'm not saying anything disrespectful about God. I never would do that. I said it sounds like a crazy question. Because he's God. He knows all. He sees all. After all, just a few chapters back, Hagar's the one that gave him that name. The God that seest me. So she's probably thinking, what do you mean, God? My son's dying. I'm dying. We're out of water. We're out of hope. It's the end of the line. We're, we're about to perish. But I want you to consider why God asked this question. At least I believe why God asked this question. He basically comes up and Hagar, what's wrong? Don't you remember just a few chapters back, I came to you and I told you when you fled from the face of Sarah that I got this? That I'm going to take care of Ishmael? That I'm going to make him into a mighty nation as well? Just believe. Just trust. Just have faith. Don't lay there and die. Don't sit there and get up, give up. Get up and realize that I'm God. That I'm going to take care of things. That I'm going to work this out for you. And the scripture says according to the King James Version. That her eyes were open. And she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water. And gave the lad drink. The well was there all the time. She had sat down and given up. When the source of her help. When the source of her hope. Was there all the time. And all she had to do was just open up her eyes. And realize it. Listen I don't know what you're going through. Whoever's watching this video. I don't know who's watching today. I don't know who's been following the videos. But whatever you're going through, don't give up. Christian, listen to me. Struggles is going to come. Difficulties is going to come. There's going to be tears that we've got to cry that we don't want to cry. There's going to be those days that we got to face that we don't want to face. Things that we don't want to go through. But we don't give up. The source of our help is there. The source of our hope is right beside us. He promised He will never leave us nor forsake us. He promised He will never put more on us than we can bear. He has told us, just as He told Hagar a few chapters before chapter 21, just as He's telling her here again in chapter 21, Hagar, Ishmael, I got this. I'm going to take care of you. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I believe that a child of God will never go hungry. There might be times that we don't have the steaks that we want to have. We might have to eat a few bologna sandwiches. But God will always take care of his people. He has promised that he would. He has told us that he has got this. And we see that, that God that God did have this. It says beginning in verse 20. And God was with the lad. And he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. And with that, on a story that began sad, God puts a happy ending. He's there. 
He's there all the time. He's there right now. All we got to do is just, just take hold of him, never let go, and realize that he does truly have this. Through the rest of this chapter, we simply see Abraham and Abimelech as they're taking care of some, some business that needs to be tended to. I'm not going to read those verses. I'm not going to expound upon those verses. But with that thought being planted in your mind, I just want you to know that as I close out this video and close out chapter 21 here today, that if there's anything that you need to deal with, if there's anything that stands between you and God, anything that needs to be worked out, sins that need to be forgiven, maybe it's a, a physical need, a financial need, a burden, a loved one that you're concerned about, go to Him. Take care of the business and know that He is God. That He will never leave you nor forsake you. That He's well got this under control, whatever it might be. I hope this video is has helped you in some small way. If anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for all that's been watching. Thanks for all that's watched today. Until next time, God bless. As we continue our study through God's Word, we come to Genesis chapter 22. And as we do, the first thing that I want to draw your attention to is the three little words found in the first verse of the chapter, after these things. After what things? After Abraham had stepped out on faith, followed God to a land that he would show him. After he had left everything behind, surrendered all to God in search of, of that land that he didn't even know where he was heading to. After he had made all the mistakes, committed the sins, the faults, the failures, the ups, the downs, the twists, the turns that God's grace had always come to the rescue. After 25 years of waiting on the promised son, finally he had arrived. Finally, Isaac was there on the scene. God's promise was coming to pass. And after those things. God comes to Abraham here in chapter 22 and he tells him to take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Wow, really? I've went through all this. I've, I've waited this long. I've endured these things and now that you finally give him to me, you want me to kill him? Now I want to say this. I know the nature and the character of the God in which I serve. So I do not believe that God ever intended to have Isaac put to death. I do not believe that God ever intended on Abraham to follow through with this command. We're going to find that out here in just a little bit in our story. So then you say, then why did God even ask him to do it? He simply wanted to know if he would. He wanted to know, Abraham, how much do you love me? Do you love me more than him? Am I your most prized love? Am, am, I the, am I the desire of your heart? Am I your God? Or has something else got first place? I want you to know that God will not take, first, will not take second place in your life. And he shouldn't. He's God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the, he's the one that died for you. He's the one that gave everything for you. He deserves to be number one. And that's what he wanted to see with Abraham. Am I your number one? Or is Isaac your most prized possession? He wanted to know just how far will you go. Let me ask you, if God asked you to give up your most prized possession for him, would you? You know, it's easy for us to say that we would, but would we really? Would you give up the thing that you love more than anything for God? The God that you're supposed to love more than anything or anyone. He's got to take priority over your wife, women. He's got to take priority over your husband. He's got to take priority over your children. He's got to take priority over your parents. He's got to take priority over your bank account, over your possessions, over everything. God needs to be number one. And that's what he was asking Abraham. Am I... You're number one. 
And we find here in the third verse that Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and plaited the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. And I want to tell you something. I believe that Abraham would have sacrificed Isaac if it was required. I believe that he was ready to follow through with the act. But I also believe that he had enough faith in the God that he served to know that God was going to make a way. That by now, all these years of walking with God, all these things that God had shown him, of how God, how God brought it to pass, the promise, I believe that Abraham knew that God was going to keep his promise. And he had said, it is through Isaac that I will establish my covenant. It is through Isaac that I will make you a mighty nation. And I believe that God, that Abraham believed that God was going to bring them both back here this day. In fact, we, we see that, that when Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off, that he said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Not I'm coming back by myself. We will come again to you. He knew that Isaac was coming back. Somehow, some way, God was going to work it out. And even when they're going up the mountain, and Isaac looks over at him and he says, Dad, we got the wood, we got the fire, we got the knife, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide the sacrifice. God's going to make a way. Abraham had the, had the faith to believe that. And we find that they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there. And laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. I picture it like this. The knife was up. Abraham was ready. He was going to follow through. He was going to be obedient to God. And knowing that if he followed through, that somehow God would raise Isaac back up. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. The 11th chapter makes it clear that Abraham believed that God could raise him again. So I believe he was ready to follow through when all of a sudden God said, stop, stop, don't do it, no harming, no hurting. And then Abraham looked up and there the ram was caught in the thicket. I want you to notice something here, 13th verse. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering. Listen. In the stead of his son. Offered him up. In the stead. Of his son. Isaac. Was the one that was supposed to be the offering. Isaac was the one that was supposed to be the sacrifice. But God provided the ram. In his place. I want everybody. That's watching the video right now. To listen to me. We have all sinned. And come short of the glory of God. We have all messed up. We have all like sheep going astray. Our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. We are the ones that deserve to die. We are the ones that deserve to pay the punishment for sin. We are the ones that made the mistake. Time and time again, we have fallen short of God's glory. But what did God do? He provided the sacrifice for our sins in our stead. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, left all of heaven, left the beauties and the splendors and the glories thereof to come down here to this messed up, to this broken world for sinners such as you and me. And he took our place. He had no sins. He had no faults. He had no failures. He has never made any mistakes, past, present, or future. Has he or will he ever had sin? But he took our sin upon himself. He took our shame upon himself. And he allowed himself to be sacrificed in our stead, in our place. He done that so that we could be saved, so that we could be forgiven. Christian, rejoice in that. Be thankful for that. And if you're watching this video and you're lost, I want you to know that it don't matter what you've done. It don't matter where you've been. It don't matter the mistakes you've made. 
The price has been paid. The sacrifice has been offered in your stead. And all you have to do is just say, yes, Jesus. I accept it. I repent. I confess. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Be my Lord and Savior. And help me to live the rest of the days of my life on this earth for you. So that I can live in heaven when this life is over. In your presence for all of eternity. What a God. He provided himself as a sacrifice. He demonstrated his love for us. In that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He became our sacrificial lamb. Praise his holy name forever. I hope you've got something out of this video here this morning. If, if anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you. Thanks for all that's been participating thus far. I hope you, hope you continue to journey through the Bible with me. Until next time, God bless. As we continue our study through God's Word, we come to Genesis chapter 23 and as we do we find that it says in the first verse that Sarah was 107 and 20 years old these were the years of the life of Sarah beginning of verse 2 and Sarah died and I want to say that in all of scripture this is not only the first case but this is the only case that it gives the age of of a woman at her death. Common with men. You see it all, all through the Bible. So and so was this old and he died. But this is the only time in all of Scripture that it does that with a woman. We know that it gives Sarah's age on at least three times through her life, which is also very rare. But the only time it ever gives the age of any woman is right here. In Genesis chapter 23, when talking about Sarah, it says in the New Testament about Anna the prophetess. You remember that, that she was there in the, in the temple day and night. She was there when Jesus the baby was, was brought in. That she, she praised him, recognizing him and realizing that he was the Savior. It says that she was, had been widowed for 84 years. That she had been married for seven years, but it don't tell us how old she was when she got married or how long after this day before she, before she died. Says that Jairus' daughter, the, the rich young ruler that came to Jesus, that she was 12 years old when he came to Jesus and said, I need you to come help my little girl. And we know that she died, but that Jesus brought her back to life. But this is the only time that it gives the age of a woman at death. Now we know there's a lot of great examples of faith throughout Scripture. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ruth. Esther. Many, many times. Anna, the prophetess that we just talked about, stayed in the temple day and night. She was dedicated in her service to the Lord. So why Sarah? Why did God choose Sarah? To mention the age of her death. And only her. Because I believe that he's trying to tell us something here. I believe he's trying to get us to, to realize that this is a life well lived. Yeah, she didn't start off all that good. She was a idol worshipping Babylonian down there in the land of Ur, the Chaldeans on the backside of Babylon. Yeah, she, she went down into Egypt. She told a lie. Yeah, Abraham told her to do it, but 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 she didn't have to. She she told a lie. She committed a sin. She done the same thing down in Gerar to King Abimelech, showing that she didn't learn her lesson. She she instead of waiting patiently upon the Lord like she was supposed to, she told Abraham, I'm going to send Hagar, my handmaid, into the tent with you, and I want you to lie with her. And this is how we'll get God's promise. Instead of just waiting on God to, to give him the promise, like he had told him that he would do it. He said, I will establish my covenant. But instead of waiting, it was Sarah that came up with the idea to, to do it her way. And we know what happened as a result of that mess. A mess that we're still suffering from to this very day. And will.
for the until the end of the world, until Christ's return, we will always suffer as a result of the decision that Sarah made there on that day. She was not a perfect woman. She sinned. She messed up. She made mistakes. But every time she did, she came back to the altars that Abraham, her husband, had built unto the Lord. She returned with him to God and she continued to walk with God. I want you to consider something. The fact that it gives us her age so many times, I think God's wanting us to pay attention to that. She was 65 years old when she left the land of Ur, when her and Abraham started out on that journey in search of that city. The land that, that God was going to show them. The promised land. She's 127 when she dies. That's 62 years in between. That means that she walked with God for 62 years. That's a life well lived. You know, there's probably some people watching the video that's been following the videos maybe that that might be watching today. Maybe you've walked with the Lord for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Maybe there is some that's walked with the Lord for 60. But I doubt very few people watching this video can say that, that for 65 years they have been a Christian. For 65 years they have walked with God. That's a life well lived. She made mistakes. But she continued to walk with God through it all. His grace was sufficient. His mercy abounded. His love endured. And time and time again, God brought her through. She got up, dusted herself off, went back to the altars that had been built unto the Lord and continued her journey with God. All in all, a life well lived. I also want you to consider, knowing this, this, this age that we're given here. In those days, a woman would get married at about 12 to 15 was the custom. For common math, easy math, let's just say she was 27, which she was probably much younger than that, but let's just say for easy math she was 27 years old when she got married. That would mean that her and Abraham had celebrated at least their 100th wedding anniversary. Through ups and downs, twists and turns, good and bad, happy and sad, she stood by her man for over 100 years. We know they did not have a perfect marriage. We, we know that they had some arguments. No doubt when, when she came back from King Abimelech's chambers, she probably went up to Abraham and said, Hey, do you know what almost happened to me as a result of the lie that we told? Do you know what you almost caused me to have to go through? No doubt they argued over that. When Hagar... When scripture tells us that Hagar despised Sarah, she went to Abraham and she said, hey, this is all your fault. And he said, hey, you told me to do it. It was your idea. No doubt they argued over that. There were some late nights. There was, there was some, some heated situations. There was some heartbreak, some sadness, some sorrow. But through it all, she stood by her man for a hundred plus years. That's a life well lived. You know, I pass out gospel tracts from time to time. And I, I order them in bulk. I get thousands of them at a time. And, and I had, had a tract that I passed out for, for a long time. I, I ran out of them. I ain't been able to find them here, here as of recent. But, but they simply, on the front of them, they had a picture of a tombstone. They had a birth date. They had a death date. And in between, there's that dash. And the, the point that the track was trying to make is that it's that dash in between that matters. You see, we're all born. That's common. It's a miracle in its, in its own right, but it, it's common. It happens to all of us. And I'm guaranteeing you that every one of us is going to die. We're not getting out of this world alive. That's, that's a guarantee that, that I'm making to you. But that life in between, that dash in between... That's what matters. That's what counts. That's what important, what's important. And we see here that Sarah had a life well lived. It matters how we live our lives. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall down. We're going to fall short of the glory of God. But we've got to continue to get up. 
We've got to continue to dust ourselves off. We've got to continue to come back to those altars, so to speak, that have been built unto the Lord. We've got to continue to call upon the name of the Lord. We've got to continue to say, Lord, it's me again. I'm sorry. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. And time and time again, we will find that his grace will be sufficient. We will find that his mercy will abound much deeper than our sins. We will find that his love endures all things. Now, that's not a reason to sin intentionally. I'm not trying to give you a crutch to lean on. I'm not trying to give you an excuse. The Apostle Paul said, what should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No, I believe in these words. As I've said often through these videos, and, and, and I often say when I'm preaching at different places, I believe that we are to be ye holy, because the Lord our God is holy, and we are called to be a sanctified, a set-apart people from the rest of the world. But when we sin, when we mess up, when we fall down, John tells us that we have an advocate with the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. That all we have to do is go to Him and say, It's me. I've messed up. I need your forgiveness. And then we get up, we dust ourselves off, and we continue walking down that straight and narrow road that, that He's called us to walk on. We don't give up. We don't quit. This life is tough. This life is hard. And we are going to fall from time to time. But I want you to know something. That when it comes down to the end, when people are looking at me in that casket, when the preacher, whoever he or she might be that's standing up and, and saying those words, I hope that they can say, Randy, yeah, he messed up. He made mistakes. He was not perfect. But he got up. He went back to Jesus every time. He went back to those altars made unto the Lord. And all in all, there's a life well lived. And now he's able to go and enjoy that eternal reward. Now he's able to go and, and receive that crown of righteousness that's been laid up for him. And for all of us that endure until the end. I want you to know heaven's going to be worth us all. But we cannot quit. We've got to fight and fight and fight and press forward and go on. Until that crown be won. We didn't get very far in chapter 23. Matter of fact, we didn't get out of the out of the first verse. So tomorrow morning we'll be picking up at verse number two. We'll be noticing that Abraham came, that he mourned, that he wept over Sarah. And then we'll continue the story from there. I hope that somebody's got something out of this video here this morning. A life well lived. Something to think about. If anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, God bless.